Stockholm is a state of mind. We talking about the culture, so come and feel the vibe. You gon' have a good time. We helping you to see it. So much to do when living in Stockholm, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Stockholm is a state of mind. Hey, Stockholm is a state of mind. Yeah, we break it down like this and like that. Welcome to the podcast. Stockholm is where it's at. Let's go. Welcome to this podcast. My name is Elizabeth. And my name is Julia. And welcome to Stockholm is a State of Minds. This is a podcast about career, community, and culture for an international community here in Stockholm and in Sweden. And you're a newcomer, and I've been born and raised here. So I'm the pro of Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> you are the pro. I am the newbie, if you will. Yes. And I am having a lot of fun sort of solving all these things, all these questions I've had about Sweden, but I could not do it without you and some of the people that you bring here and introduce me to, to help me understand a little bit more about culture. Thank you, darling. Thank you, darling. I appreciate it. We had the uh, meatballs for lunch. Did you really? Yes. Were they good? It was super good. Yeah. What do you know about Swedish meatballs? I know that you can buy them in the freezer at Ikea. End of list. <laughs> But all countries have some kind of meatballs. Yeah, definitely. Meatballs and tomato sauce. Yeah. Meatballs on a stick. Meatballs are, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Or in yeah, in pasta or on a sandwich if you're a yes. meatball hoagie. Yes. Is delicious. And we had it with lingonberry jam and boiled potatoes. <laughs> now, I like the idea of having a little bit of fruit, a little bit of something that's sort of sweet and tart on the side of it. How do you, how do you, can you recognize the Swedish taste that we have? Is there anything special in the food that you, some words that like cover all the foods we have? Well, have you ever heard of the, uh, the, the, the concept of salt, fat, acid, and heat? And that uh, those are some of the, those are the four sort of building blocks of flavor. I've noticed that Swedish food is a little bit more, that fourth one, we have salt in that we have some salted foods that are in a lot of things. Sure. Yes. We've got some really delicious fats and that that things are cooked in or that um, are on things that we cook here. Um, We've got the acid and that there's a lot of uh, pickling and some vinegars that are in things. Uh, Nice, nice bits of bite. And instead of heat, I find that there's a lot of sweet here. So it's sort of a lot of sweet. Yes. yes. And some of the best sweets that I've ever had in my life here, too. So salt, fat, acid, sweet is what I would say about Swedish That's food. That's true. Yeah. That covers everything. I haven't thought about that before, but you're right. And I also love that you, that Swedish culture is so open about other types of food. There are so many different kinds of flavors here that you wouldn't expect to find. Tacos being such a big deal. Oh, Taco Fridays. Taco Fridays. Yeah. Tradition since 1997 or something. <laughs> That's when anything good started anyways, let's be honest. What are some sort of, I guess, foreign foods that you found have been really popular here in Sweden? Falafel. Falafel, yes. yes. Everything from East Mediterranean countries, they are very popular here. It's so good. Kebab, falafel, hummus, and everything like that. Kebab pizza, I've noticed. Oh, no. Don't, don't go in there. <laughs> and let's, let's not talk also about bananas on pizza as oh, well. No. If that's not something that you've heard of, just Google it. I promise I'm not lying about it. It's <laughs> fascinating, I think. It yeah. is. But I don't know. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's interesting that there are so many things that are typically Swedish. But that you've also welcomed in all these different flavors from other places, too. I think yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it started like 500 years ago when we were a huge trade country. Yeah. We traded with Asia and all the countries in Europe in the former European Union called Hansam. And, but I think 
it's a mix of everything, but also we find the way to to make the food in a Swedish way because of the climate. Yeah. We don't have, you know, avocados in winter. That's fair. We don't have avocados <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> we import a lot of stuff here. Yeah. But so. you do interesting things with it, I think, when you get it, you know? Yeah. I love the idea of a Taco Friday. Have you tried to cook Swedish food by yourself? Yes. Okay. Have I done well? That's another question. <laughs> so what did you start with? Lasagna? <laughs> well, you know what I started with is I started with some uh, frozen meatballs from Ica. No. <laughs> I made at least made my own mashed potatoes and then some gred sauce. So oh, like a cream sauce, cream sauce. Uh, that, that they're typically in from a packet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean... It it's was a good. good. Yeah. It was good. And this is Swedish fast food style. Yeah. It is. It's quick, it's easy, and it's really good to eat on a cold day. Yeah. It makes you warm. It's comfort food. Yes. I love comfort food. We need to understand where the food culture came from, from the beginning, how we have like transferred or imported the stuff to our tables today. Mm-hmm. So we have a guest here today, Karsten Turfjell. So the guest today is uh, Karsten Turfjell. It's not the best name for you to pronounce, Julia, but you can try. Karsten Turfjell. Yeah. I've watched interviews with him. And and, uh, Anglo-Americans usually say Karsten. Karsten Turfjell. Yes? Yes. Okay. Mm. Well, there we go. I've I've watched Um, it a bit. I'm very familiar with your voice, but I haven't met you before. I'm glad to see you here. Welcome. Warm welcome. Thank you very much. I mean, it's uh, very nice to be anonymous, incognito, before opening your mouth. True. (laughs) (laughs) And today's topic, Julia, what's that? Well, we're talking a little bit about, one, your recent book, uh, Swedish Gastronomy, um, uh, a global success, talking about Swedish eating, the way that Swedes eat, and the way that Swedes cook as well, Mm -hmm. talking about sustainable food and talking about making sure that our diet and our... Um, our plates match the way that we want the world to look. Mm. And so we're really excited to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah, Thank you for joining I, would, us. I would say the, the sustainability is a, a recent phenomenon, but uh, there was some tendencies in the 1970s, I would say, with the, the green wave people, uh, as in America, moved uh, out in the country and tried to live more in, in harmony with nature. And some of us... Um, my my elder brother and and uh, that generation. I mean, they they were five ten years older than me. They moved into the woods and out in the country yeah, and tried to live live like free. hippies. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, serious hippies. Yeah, I would say not not so much drugs. No. More more, no, of, no, no. more of being uh, <laughs> of of cultivating the soil and and live from it and things. More like ducks than drugs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hippies with a day planner. Yeah. Yes, I like that. That's good. Yeah, that's one thing that I've noticed after moving here. And so that's sort of one of the things that we like to do is I am a very fresh uh, uh, transplant here, but I will, I will be honest with you, I really, really like food and I really like to eat and I like to mm-hmm. cook food as well. And one thing that I've noticed is that with each, I, I, I arrived in the summer and in the summer, Everyone kept telling us, well, you've got to go and this is the time to buy strawberries. This is the time to buy strawberries. Or uh, in the fall, it's, well, okay, toward the end of the summer, at least it's, okay, now we've got to go and pick our chanterelles and make sure that we've got those and Mm -hmm. freeze them and make sure that you save them. And my little American brain was thinking, but I could buy strawberries any time that I want. Or why wouldn't I just go buy mushrooms? 
And this is a bit about our conversation earlier, that Swedes are very much about making it, finding it, and producing it yourself. Would you say that there's an importance of that in Swedish Yes, yeah. I mean, the, the, the way we uh, enjoy nature is, is part of that. But, but I think also that the climate is very important because uh, we're so very up north and, and we have a, a cool climate, really, I mean, a great difference between uh, winter and summer and uh, especially the light. I mean, the light is really present 100 days uh, during the summer months. And then we have a, a very dark winter. I mean, if you if we take parts of the North American continent, they're really continental climate with the so cold winters and so hot summers. But the the, the differences are not that uh, great here. But but we're very conscious of of the season, and I also think that it's become a, a habit of being as. Uh, when you say uh, dependent of the season, that the old the farmers we all we were all farmers uh, two three hundred years ago, yeah. and now we're back uh, trying to reestablish this uh, knowledge in a way because we're fed up with tomatoes uh, without taste or strawberries without taste and things things like that. They are so much better in season, and and of course of course we are also getting more uh, conscious of uh, the tastes. I mean, we have uh, very good, good produce. That's a little bit what my book is about, that uh, the, the, the products we have have this flavor because of uh, this climate that we have so ve- very up north, but the, the Gulf Stream uh, pushing northwards towards the Norwegian coast, right. it makes the climate, uh, because if, if, it, if we didn't have the Gulf Stream, we would have to fight uh, for the food with the ice bears, <laughs> yes, but they're not here because of the, the the stream. And also Norway with its its mountains all the way, they they catch all the rain, so we we don't get that as well. We get a, a, a fair amount of rain. The Norwegians they have it all. Yeah, <laughs> my sister is living in Bergen in Norway. It's raining That's every day, the all the time. City the in, city in the world, in the world. I guess. Yes, sounds it like is. heaven to me. I love it. <laughs> So I'm so interested in your background because you're a, you're a journalist. Yes. And what about your interest in food and wine and our meal culture and gastronomy? Well, I, I, I grew up in a very food-interested family. My, my, my mother loved to cook, and she was also uh, trained uh, with that from, from her school. And then uh, my father was a wine bum. So we also back in the old days when the monopoly were was sort of dominating the alcohol market, so it wasn't easy. But but he was uh, very cautious of when there were good wines to buy, mm. and and uh, I developed uh, an interest in in that. And and my brothers as well. We 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 love to eat. We love to cook, and uh, also uh, we started to love drinking wine with the food. Of course. When we were allowed to. We all do. <laughs> yeah. Or just before you were allowed to. <laughs> Thank you. One of the things I'm most interested in is as we are entering the winter, I believe when this is, when this is uh, aired, we will be in the fall of winter for sure. Yeah. But I'm really interested in making sure that I stick with what is seasonal here and especially what is important and special here in terms of Swedish winter foods. And when I have really cravings <laughs> for autumn and winter and summer, spring. Yes. I have cravings for different, you know, months or yes, what is when the culture? waiting for. 
Yeah. Because the the uh, the the time of year is the seasons are so different, so mm. you get these memories. Oh, now it's they're getting darker. Now we'll have to have a, a game, uh, a, a pot of game or something like that, which is uh, what what we like to eat when it gets darker, and you sit around the the table and enjoy the meal that we made by ourselves. Yes. With mushrooms <laughs> yes. and chanteliers and Carl Johan is yes. one of the mushrooms in Sweden that Named is after very popular. Named after the, the, uh, the imported answer, king. <laughs> the imported uh, king Jean-Baptiste Bernadotte who came uh, Charles the Fourteenth Johan, which is the ancestor of our um, pre- present king. He brought that Kaluan with him, or he, he just wondered, why don't you eat this delicate um, porcini? Uh, what do you call it? Porcini, porcini, like it's in very popular in in northern Italy. They Kaluan, um, the the stean sop, which is called. Uh, we would just call it mushrooms in in English, I guess. But that's being uh, when you when you travel in Piemonte, for example, in in northern Italy, they sell a lot of porcini, and and most of it comes from northern Scandinavia or or Sweden. Mm-hmm. Colder climate. Yes, I mean because we have so much mm-hmm. of it, and we pick it and sell it to Italy. That was my mind. Don't pick mushrooms if you don't know them. <laughs> I learn more, Julia, and I learn you more about them. The thing them. that I've, I've, I've heard is that the people who really started out understanding and trying to figure out which mushrooms are good really had to go through sort of a, a system of, okay, well, this one killed Brian, and this one made us see God for a little while, and this one tastes like chicken, so let's put that in the soup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's 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 one of the things that I'm really interested in. What do you what do you crave in the winters in Sweden? I think the the, the Christmas food is a bit uh, prolonged. It has a longer season than uh, I mean the, the Thanksgiving meal, for example, where we eat the turkey for Christmas as well. Uh, we eat Christmas food uh, um, every holiday, uh, Eastern, <laughs> Midsummer, yes. And- <laughs> That's all the herring and and some of the cold meats as well. Yes. Uh, boiled eggs. Yeah. Boiled potatoes. Hard boiled eggs. <laughs> yeah. uh, boiled potatoes. Uh, herring. Herring. Uh, in, different in, in Different form, yeah. forms. And then we also have the um, sylta, what mm. that, that might uh, be called. It's like a it's jambon, minced meat that yeah, is mixed. Jambon persillier in, in French, uh, mm. like that. Uh, so, so this traditional Christmas table, people uh, usually go out. Um, people on work from in the same place, eating Christmas table uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas, on restaurants, and then also um, make make it perhaps a couple of times if you're also invited. And then you eat it at home, and then you eat it for a couple of weeks afterwards <laughs> because there's so much of it. So you yes. and then you have cravings for tacos and pizza. <laughs> After that, <laughs> yes, I know that a lot of listeners are interested in food because people are nowadays they're foodies are. Oh yes, they're foodies. traveling all over the world. We call it foodies in Sweden. Foodies are makes sense. Yeah, yeah. traveling all the over the world. Yeah, yeah. but that, that's uh, I think it's um, an interesting uh, development because when I grew up, when I as I said in the seventies when I when I turned twenty, I mean the the people. Uh, interest in food came later in life 
when you were about 40, 45 and married and with children and you had a, more of a... The economy for it. The economy for <laughs> it. But, but there, were, there were young people who were just eating and, and uh, don't, didn't care very much for it. Fill up but, the tank. Yeah, yeah <laughs> fill up the tank. But for today, uh, we have young grown-ups that we say around 25 who really are uh, foodies or, or, or fanatics or nerds. or I mean, they, they food geeks, uh, they Lovingly, call themselves. Yeah. Lo- yeah. Really, <laughs> they really love food and, and with a great interest. Yeah. And wine is the same thing. Mm. And the interesting thing that, that they combine this very fanatic interest with uh, uh, um, a, a sustainable attitude in a way. Mm-hmm. I know the the, the, the the boom for natural wines, for example. Mm. That's a, a generation phenomenon. I mean, it comes to young people uh, enjoy natural wines very much. and they wow. say, I hate them. And <laughs> I like any kind of wine. It, it's, I don't discriminate. <laughs> no, that's really, uh, I, I think it's... Uh, um, a question of how old you are, yeah. and I and I was at the tasting, or the champagne tasting, and I saw a, a young guy with a large beard and, and a, and a <laughs> beret on, the, on his head, and said, oh, "He was so excited because there was no sulfur in this wine, no sulfur." <laughs> I said, "Well, yeah, is that so fantastic? There is natural sulfur in every wine, but but it wasn't any added sulfur." Okay. And that's uh, the conserving uh, wine with sulfur. So uh, it's 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 not sure that the wine is stabilized. It's better now. Yeah. Or, uh, stay, what's it called? Stabile? Stabilized. Stable. We don't know. We, we all speak bad English in yes. the studio. So. But the wine, wine is, is not, uh, it's not certain that it will be stable when uh, you don't add sulfur. But mm. the, the nature fanatics... I, I don't speak for myself now. No. You can hear that. <laughs> they get very excited about the, the yes. absence of sulfur. Yeah. There's no sulfites. It's, ooh, taste this. But, do, I just mean, does it, do, do you feel that it, it makes a difference to the taste, or is it just more of a, a more sustainable practice to produce wine? I mean, I'm not really quite sure. It's, it's treated like poison in a way, <laughs> because it's always, in, in, especially it was in America, that you have to have this warning, contains sulfites. Yeah. And you think, that must be very, very dangerous. (laughs) I have a question for you, Julia. What do you think about, before you moved here, about Swedish food? What do you know about? Did you know about meatballs? And the the Swedish chef in Muppet (laughs) Show? Blah, 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 blah. Well, even I, I mean, I could could tell the difference between real world and Muppets, but only, only in a little tiny bit. You know, it was very difficult for me at first. But I was able to tell that that was probably not a good representation of... Actual Swedish chefs. And then, you know, there, there are some well internationally known Swedish chefs that I know. Marcus Samuelson, for instance, is yes. very internationally known and mm-hmm. especially in America. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I hope you don't take offense to this. But as an American, I really just saw what I saw at the freezer at Ikea. And that was it. <laughs> Frozen meatballs and, you know, lingonberries on a shelf. And, and that's so funny because freshest, yeah. all countries i think have some kind of meatballs so why is that connected to sweden i don't know yeah. you have meatballs in tomato they're, sauce you know? okay. yeah but they, they ikea has made it a, a, a swedish phenomenon i guess okay and, it's, and it's branded could, as swedish you, you, yeah. yeah and you could read in the paper when there's a new ikea store opening and yeah. the meatballs are coming to town yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And one plate, two dollars or five uh, euros or whatever, yeah. But IKEA is, is uh, an important factor. I mean, they serve oh, seven hundred and sixty thousand 
uh, no, 760 million portions every oh year wow. to uh, the customers. And a lot of them are meatballs. Yeah. Or salmon. Yes, and, yeah. yeah. Gravlax. But your book is filled with Swedish gastronomy. Tell us more about what do we eat in Sweden and why? It's not just frozen meatballs, right? No. <laughs> Are we trying to we're trying to uh, make uh, also a point out the right to forage. Uh, I yes. mean the the allemansrätten mm. we have mm. we also have uh, which is difficult to uh, um, translate allemansrätter, but that means uh, plates Oh, that's a oh. funny wordplay. <laughs> that's a fun, yeah. funny like that. yeah, wordplay in Swedish. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's uh, one part of the uh, this, uh, and uh, of course, as we said, uh, we, we were an extremely poor country for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, and and the the, the poor farmers had to finance uh, the wars with oh. with their products. I mean, they 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 paid a lot of taxes to pay for the armies. Uh, when they were out warriors they they were out uh, we have a history really of being very poor and uh, farmers everyone uh, and the food they had was horrible really horrible i mean the way you could you can we cannot imagine how they they you you preserved everything that the you the fish the meat everything was salted or or pickled, pickled and things like that because of fear of starving to death in in springtime mm-hmm. and the early spring when when it would and it, nothing grow uh, was growing in in springtime so you really could had it was a fact that you were starving in springtime so everyone wanted to preserve everything and so you never had had any fresh food uh, and that's a little part, I think, of the the way of eating it in season now. When it's uh, you should eat it when it's tastes as good uh, as possible. It's its best. Yeah. Yeah. So the the Swedish food is uh, is coming from this tradition of, of being poor and scared of dying. But being pragmatic and being sensible about things, yes. mm. you know, yeah. And and also that where the conserving or, or the preserving of, of food also made some of them, some of these dishes taste more. I mean, you, you could really uh, enhance the flavors. Yeah, when, and then we were talking about the flavors. You said salt, sugar, oh, acid. Salt, we were talking about salt. Fat, acid, heat, but yeah. I noticed. I feel like it's in Sweden. I feel I've 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 tasted salt, fat, acid, sweet more often than mm-hmm. that fourth mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I find that there's always a good balance of flavors, and there's a little tiny bit of sweet in most things that you'll try. You'll have a cutlet, but you'll have your sweetened lingonberries yeah. as well, which is nice. You have a good way of balancing things that are that are fatty or things that are salty with mm-hmm. sweetness. It seems rather than heat sometimes and acid yes. i mean yes. because it was uh, i think it also had something to do with uh, with the surviving because you you had the lingonberries um together with the uh, liver or something like that and that and that they they combined that combination was healthy for you yeah you get so, to see vitamins and everything yeah. into your body yeah. so so uh, i think the culture was like that but uh, usually if we take a farmer's family they had some uh say salted meat and they cooked it on on a on a huge iron um iron stove or stove yes over the 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 wood the fire over the fire mm. and then you m- blended it with some sort of cereal and uh, 
mixed it, mm. and then you had it directly from the the stove. Yeah, everything was like a porridge. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes, some sort of a porridge could be fish. Yeah. Well, well, then it was gray. Yeah. Or if you would meat, it was brown. So, it, <laughs> and and it took some time really. Uh, I I think the second part of the 19th century, the the food started slowly to become more eatable. I have a question for you now. When you're here, Julie asked me about the tubes with spreadable food <laughs> in the grocery store. Why do we have all the tubes with cheese and caviar and everything? Yeah, that's something I've never seen I couldn't, anywhere before. I couldn't answer her. So. Yeah. yeah, and you mentioning that there was a culture of preserving things and making sure that things would last for a while. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that is born of that tradition or if that's its own thing. Now, I think it's a phenomenon of uh, around in the middle of the 20th century, especially the, uh, after the war, mm-hmm. uh, the industry was there and and they uh, started off with uh, new forms of packaging uh, preserved food. And, and, and these tubes were, were a very different, a very uh, important part of that because the, the food industry like Kavli, for example, mm-hmm. or, or, or the... the uh, Caviar, um, Calles, caviar, yeah. which were made on the west coast from the fish uh, industry. The these tubes were uh, emblematic for the um, the post-war uh, mm. period. And uh, when I was I was a kid, we have, we have these tubes. Uh, yeah, it was so funny to have. Filled, uh, in, yeah, in, I know. In the in the fridge. <laughs> I love the shrimp cheese in a tube. Have you tasted shrimp, shrimp cheese, cheese in a tube? Cheese with shrimps in a tube. I have to be honest with you. I actually would really enjoy that. I think I like a I like a fake cheese taste every once in a while, or like something that's sort of a you know you a squeezy try. cheese. Yeah, not quite the the aerosol can cheese, but you know something that's got. The, the bacon cheese in a tube as well, I think. It's yes, I've noticed bacon, that as well. ham. It's a, it's a yeah. funny thing that, uh, you know, we have in Malmö, we have a disgusting food museum, <laughs> which which is a museum for... Is it true? I haven't most, heard of it. Wow. The most horrible food in the world. Oh, I have to go yeah. there, Julia. That's that's very interesting. That's a behaviorist, uh, a psychologist who, who a little, two psychologists who started this. And and it's been uh, an interesting because uh, phenomenon because uh, people who are dealing with um, psychology and um, behaviorist disciplines they come there and and uh, and try uh, try it for themselves. So when I was there last time, uh, the latest time, I, I there was a group of French behaviorists trying out different products for themselves, and they were <laughs> laughing themselves to death. I mean, <laughs> but 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 uh, what I would like to to say that after, when people have toured the the museum and and tried all these disgusting things, <laughs> and, Swedish and, disgusting food. No no no, it's not. It's, oh, it's, it's international. It's, it's from it's all over the world. Wow. Everyone makes disgusting food. Oh, yes. e- e- yeah, I mean it's really uh, they have these you know cheese who is eaten by oh, insects yeah, yeah. And, mm. and all these things from Sardinia. Mm. Uh, so they, they are they can really be horrible these things but they come from all over the world mm-hmm. but but uh, when people leave the museum they they write on post it uh, um, sheets of paper yeah. what did you think was the most horrible and oh. thing callous caviar I really that, yeah they that was one uh, I have it every morning on my morning egg at breakfast I'm shocked it's yes. such a staple here it seems yes. But but uh, uh, they they also a bit surprised. I mean, it's also salt uh, licorice. Oh no! 
I have it no, there. No, they, they, uh, that's also, the when people say that's the worst thing, and the callous caviar is uh, also among the, the things <laughs> that they mention. Stuff. Readers, it's the stuff. I have to tell you, one of the things that readers, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners, well, they might be, <laughs> yeah, maybe they it's transcript. Yeah. Listeners, I have to tell you, something that you may be shocked when you come here is that licorice is not just a delicious sweet treat. It is a delicious sweet treat that is often coated in so much salt. And I don't understand it yet. I'm sure I might, but I don't get it. My husband, who is the pickiest of picky eaters, and I really want to take him to that museum, but he loves gummy foods and he loves tasty, fruity things, like especially gummy things like that, like licorice. And he really wanted a snack. And so he went to he went to the store and he got some goodies and he picked up, oh, this is a new kind of licorice I've never had. And I looked at it and he's a little bit behind in Swedish than I am. And I saw I saw that it was salt halun. And I said, oh, salty, salted raspberries. raspberries. But I didn't yeah. tell him that. I said, oh, so what flavor did you get? And he goes, oh, it's raspberry. See, halun, I know that word. And I went, okay, honey, all right. And I just sort of sat and out of the corner of my eye, I watched him take a bite. And the most horrified look came over his face as if he found out Santa Claus was not real and licorice was disgusting all at the same time. And I went, what did you learn? (laughs) The word salt means salt in Swedish. (laughs) But salted candy, again, this is a blend of two flavors you wouldn't think outside of Sweden, right? It was was an important part of of my uh, childhood when I got one Swedish crown uh, to go to buy some some candy and you get ten different pieces from one crown or maybe when 20. I was small, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean your age, so yeah, I remember exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. We have three quick questions yes. for our guests. Please, Julia. Three quick questions that we like to ask. Well, the fr- they're very important. And so we want, you know, a, a really studied answer to this. It has to be you know, really well thought out. And the very first academic. One, it's very, very serious. <laughs> and the first one that we have for you, Taco Fridays. Yes or no? Somewhere in between. How do you feel about them? Um, yes. I, I, I was uh, among the people who uh, really enjoyed it from the beginning when they arrived. Um, that was in the 80s, if I remember yes, right. Yes, early yeah. 80s. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I thought that was really nice. I mean, it's difficult to eat in a nice way. You always yes. lose a lot of it. On, you don't do way. it on your first date. <laughs> no, no. But I, I still like the taste of it, even even if I maybe eat it um, twice a year, three yeah. three times a year. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. some families do it every week. Since, yes, yes, yeah, every Friday. Hmm. Yeah. But Friday for me is shrimps. Ooh. Yes. How? How do you prepare them? I just eat them. Yeah. Uh, like With that. white bread and mayo, or yeah, yeah. just like that, just mm. and a nice wine, maybe. Of course, yeah, of, of course. course. That goes without saying. Of course. <laughs> no, but I mean, they, they, that, that's extremely simple. But uh, I cannot have enough of it. I'm, I'm really a shrimp man. Yeah, mm. you don't. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be complicated in order to be really, really no. good and delicious. Mm. Seafood know? is very nice, yeah. so you can eat it as it is. No, not with a peel. You have to peel it, but not <laughs> with a shell. But <laughs> just go all in, folks. <laughs> you don't need any sauces or everything. They have a good taste. If you eat the bodies, it's got a lot of. You know, collagen or something, and I don't know. (laughs) And the next one of our quick three, what is the best way to take coffee, in your opinion? The best? The best way to take coffee, in your opinion. Swedish Uh, coffee. Swedish coffee. um, Well, I have a a little bit of milk in it. Mm -hmm. 
um, but I, I prefer to make it myself. Yeah. And I make, I make it very strong. Uh, Wake the dead. <laughs> well, well, and not like an espresso, but but uh, if if uh, if I have this brew uh, of coffee, I I try to have uh, a lot of. You have a double up, or I have... yeah, I, I, I have a, a grinder myself. Okay, um, you, so of uh, course. New, uh, the, the beans are the heavy fresh. roasted beans, very yes, dark they roasted. Yes, fresh, and 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 I grind them in my small little hobby grinder and and um, have a lot of coffee. So a dark into roast. this. Dark roast, fresh ground. Yeah. Maybe a double strength of yes. a, of a. Of, and a, a tiny bit of milk, right? Yeah, usually, <laughs> I, uh, at least uh, before lunch. Yeah. Milk from cow or from oat? I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no uh, restrictions. Okay. I, I oh. use cow milk. Mm. Okay. Oh, there we are. And my favorite question. I'm old-fashioned. Probably the most important question, yeah. and I would actually ask that you ask it because I'm bad at these words. <laughs> the best lördas godis, the Saturday? tradition of buy candy on Saturdays, which. Lördags godis, do you prefer? Uh, I'm afraid I cannot uh, answer this. Because you don't uh, eat lördags godis. I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, godis at all. Ah. I, I was, I could, when I was a kid, I could say to my mother, if you give me a thousand crowns by the end of the year, I will not have some candy. Uh, and say, oh, mm-hmm, okay. So you saved your money to buy some good bottles of wine when you became in that <laughs> age. Yeah, and wine is uh, a lot of acid. I'm an acid guy and not ah. a, a, a sweet one. Sweet. Great. So you prefer the entree rather than the dessert <laughs> when you go to the, like a starter. Uh, yes, I'm, yeah. a st- I'm an entree, mm. a starter man. Mm. Uh, desserts, I never... I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that because I've had fantastic desserts. Of but, course, you have. But, you are in the academy, for God's sake. <laughs> exactly. <sakes. laughs> uh, but I'm not picky, what? really. I, I I like all food, hamburgers, uh, pizza, everything. So I, I'm not that kind of of guy. Only eat uh, some kind of food. But uh, tacos, yes, I love them. But but I'm not so interested in desserts. Quit. They're sweet. They're good. Yes. Mm. There's not much nice. you can do with that, you know. No, it's it's nice to finish off with with some sweet things in in the end. But but I when I leave the room, I forgot what what did I have for dessert? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I have no idea. I'm like you. I prefer like a scog and toast before yes. the main course instead mm. of the dessert. Have you tasted scog and Rora? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I believe I have. Um, but I have to tell you that you're both wrong and that okay. it is actually about dessert. It is. And it's okay. delicious. And I you have to convince us. have to bring you back into the fold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had some of the most tasty sweet things here. I'm just shocked right now. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting that it's you've sur- you've surpassed the the love of goodies and more interested in kind of the more acid uh, things. Yeah, things that you can you can do more with. Things that are a little mm-hmm. more on the acidic little more interesting side. Oh. Kirsten, uh, do, we have listeners from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Some of them are in Sweden now mm-hmm. for studying, working, or just living with the partners here. Others are in other countries just interested in Sweden and Swedish food. Do you have any like recipes or other advices around Swedish food they want to share with our listeners? Well, um, my my experience is uh, if you want to show something Swedish for um, 
people, for foreigners. Uh, they're, they're my biggest success is Jansons frestelse. Jansons frestelse. Yeah. You haven't heard about Please that. Please translate. <laughs> Jansson. Jansons temptation. And Jansson is the last name of a guy. Yeah. He, he was a singer. As you are, Julian. No, 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 no. No, no he the, was uh, actually. Chef, the, 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 there is a very complicated story. Okay. I, I'm not sure if I can uh, relate to it, but it, but it's. I happen to live just around the corner from the uh, the the building where the apartment is, Tomtebogata Nitton, okay. where the, the name Jansons Frestelse was being invented Invented. for this anchovies potatoes uh, gratin uh, of. So you know what we're going to do? You send us the best recipe for Jansson's frestelse. Mm. We will post it on the Instagram account and I will make it for you, Julia. And I will taste it. And you will rate it. it was, <laughs> I think I love it. It was, it was actually like, like, like this, that we had a, a, a dish that was a sort of anchovies and potato gratin mm-hmm. with onion and cream. That's just about everything. But anchovies is not the fish anchovies. It's a Swedish way of calling uh, a herring, a spiced (laughs) herring, a a, a preserved, uh, um, what do you say, can of... Yeah, it's like a fake anchovy. Yeah, exactly. We couldn't afford to buy real anchovies, so make them from herring. Fake your way to the anchovy. Herring with anchovies uh, spices. spices. Okay. And that's the sort of oriental spices. Mm. Uh, Cardamom uh, and cinnamon. Yeah, tre. Yeah. Sandaltre, yeah. yeah. Sandalwood. So, sandalwood, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this combination, I think, is the perfect way of showing uh, Swedish food. True. I mean, it, it's also a staple in Christmas and I think maybe also midsummer yeah. and, and uh, Easter. And this fat, sugar... Salty. Salty. Mm. And acid. Where's the acid, though? Is it? Oh, the preserve. The preserve in the herring. Oh. Yeah. I want to have you here forever, Kirsten. I know. <laughs> but I think the episode is quite over. But the listeners can follow you on Public Service Radio if they want to hear more from you. Yeah, occasionally. I've, I've recently retired. Okay. Uh, but they can go back in the play <laughs> yeah. system and listen to... Your episodes back in the days? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. Of course. But, but actually, it is my first day uh, as a retired person. <gasps> wow, congratulations. congratulations. Wow. Thank you, yes. thank you. Great. You have to celebrate with a little bit of shrimp and some bread and some delicious mayonnaise. I've celebrated all week, uh, <laughs> last, <laughs> last week. Yeah. But we hope to hear more from you and maybe I, you can come back in the podcast and yes. see what we can yeah, and, do. Yeah, and um, if there are any radio listeners, you know, we, we retired people from the radio, we always come back. Yes. <laughs> maybe you can follow us on like a live podcast tour in Sweden yes. and discuss food with all the newcomers into Sweden. We would like that. Mm. And we can also learn a little bit more about it if we want to. If you're listening, you can listen. You can uh, take a look at his um, at the book uh, Swedish Gastronomy: A Global Success. Learn a it's little bit in more. Yes, seven languages now. So yes. you have no excuse. You'll be able to find it. Even in... Chinese and Arabic. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so it's accessible for everyone. If you want to learn a little bit more about Swedish food beyond this, we really encourage you to check it out. Swedish Gastronomy: A Global Success. Thank you so much for being, Thank for being with us. Today. Thank you. What did you learn from Kirsten, Julia, or from this episode or from this guest? Well, I 
feel like I appreciate Swedish food a little bit more now that I understand sort of where it comes from. Mm. Do you feel that you've learned something about of what course, you already know? I'm so amazed about Karsten because he has a broad, super broad knowledge about food yeah. in general and also the gastronomy and about all the Swedish chefs and the background to why Sweden is so popular around or among foodies in the world. So he's a really nice person yeah. when it comes to food and gastronomy. And he's made me feel galvanized to go and try to make my own <laughs> cannibular. Or... And Janssons. Yeah, Janssons. Oh, I'm excited. I want to try that. Yeah. It's, I want to try to make it. I also want people that listen to us, all listeners, hello, not hey. people, you listeners. If you can post your best Swedish recipe on your Instagram and tag us. Yes. Then we'll show us what you make. I would yes. love to see. It'd yeah. be fun. So we can share the food culture. And you can see how much better yours is than mine. I think that'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But I'm excited to go forward here knowing just a little bit more now about the things that I like to stuff my face with. I want to show you Leve Pastea today. <gasps> Ooh. It's a kind of patea. How do you eat it? Sweet, eat eat it on crisp bread okay. with fresh or pickled cucumber. Okay. It's good. I like that. I think that's a good balance. It is. I want to eat a lot of it. We have the <laughs> four sweet. We've got our salt. Yeah, in, salt. In, in the, yeah, and then we've got our fat. Yeah. And then oh, we've got... A lot of fat. Yeah, but it's <laughs> cream. That's where Whipped flavor cream. comes from. Yeah. I'm sorry. It just salt, lives in fat. 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 we got our acid with the, the cucumber that's yeah. pickled and the sweet. Yeah, A little bit of, of sweetness too. It is. That nice, well-rounded Swedish yeah. taste. Mmm. And this has been a podcast that has been pro- uh, produced by the Stockholm Dual Career Network. And Stockholm's Academiska Forum. So join us next time, folks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, Stockholm is a state of mind. Yeah, we break it down.